Welcome to another episode of The Bandage Podcast, a weekly wrap-up of the most trending healthcare news. Each week, join me and my co-host, Alex Ross, as we'll discuss the latest in healthcare, health IT, and compliance. In this week's episode, we discuss a pediatrician app for parents, a new therapy center for children with autism, and increased heart attack risk in men. Let's wrap things up. This is episode 77 for the week of March 22nd. I'm Matt Moneypenny. And I'm Alex Ross. Before we get started, our diagnosis code of the week is T17.0XXA, foreign body and nasal sinus initial encounter. You know, interestingly enough, this happened to me just this last week. Oh, yeah? Yeah. As you know, it's it's springtime. So what do you do in the spring? You, you start put foreign bodies the, in your nasal sinus. Right, right. No, not per, well, yes. But you start <laughs> seeds for your garden, right? Mm-hmm. So that's what I was doing. I was starting seeds for my garden. Uh, my my good buddy was over, so we were joking around and planting seeds and stuff. Um, I thought it would be hilarious to take a bean, like that grows green beans, and stick okay. it in my nose. Like ha ha ha! I'm planting seeds in my nose. I'm gonna I think have this a is something stalk. kindergarten students do, but that's okay. Maybe it was it was funny. Yeah, yeah, you had to be there. Sounds it was hilarious. Funny. It it yep. really was funny. Uh, what what was not funny was the bill I later received for removal of that bean. Um, unfortunately, I found out. Apparently, my doctor is also a horticulturalist, uh, and he said that beans will not sprout in your nostrils. So, I feel like I was misled a little bit. Anyways, let's get into the news. First up, we have Blueberry is great for kids' health, and I'm not talking about the fruit. A new app, Blueberry Pediatrics, recently launched to offer virtual pediatrician services to give parents peace of mind about their kids' health. Blueberry has a team of board-certified pediatricians who are available 24-7 to diagnose illness, prescribe medication, and give advice. It's currently available in six states and will soon expand to others. The membership is $18 per month plus a one-time fee of $100 for a home medical kit. The kit includes a finger pulse oximeter, ear infection kit, and forehead thermometer. This allows parents to send images and vitals so the pediatrician has better insight for diagnosis and can speed up decisions about when to escalate treatment. So I'm scrolling. health pediatrician. <laughs> right. I'm scrolling through their, their website currently. And the example that they're giving is um, at 2 a.m., child wakes up with a fever. At 2.08 a.m., you speak with a doctor. And at 2.15, you get diagnosis and treatment. And that sounds, if I were a doctor, terrible. (laughs) Can you imagine you're Mm -hmm. on call (laughs) at 2 a.m.? For well, you know, maybe parents. some doctors are night owls, you know? I guess. I don't know. I don't know if they're maybe contracting with doctors in multiple time zones to help avoid that. Yeah. that but if I were a doctor, <laughs> I get a call at 2 a.m. Hey, my kid has a fever. Oh, I would tell them to go back to bed. <laughs> this is why I'm not a doctor. I don't have the patience to be a doctor. I have to say I admire doctors greatly because, whew, I don't know if I could do it. Yeah, Next up, I, don't, I, I oh. think also there's the the whole other side of it where it's like I don't know. I mean, you know, I, I 
I'm not a teacher, so, but I can only imagine, and I've heard stories of kids who are in grade school having trouble paying attention to their online classes throughout the COVID-19 pandemic. So I wonder if, you know, these pediatricians will have a similar experience where if the child is remote, obviously their, their, their minds are running like a hundred miles per second. They have all these thoughts and they're hyper and they're bouncing around and, and the doctor is trying to figure out what's wrong with them. <laughs> it could be a little difficult. I, I would agree. Next up, starring a new clinic, the Starfish Youth Therapy Center. Waterfall Community Health Center in Coos County, Oregon, is opening a new youth health center for those with an autism spectrum disorder diagnosis. The Starfish Youth Therapy Center will offer one-stop comprehensive care for those with autism to get occupational, speech, feeding, and behavioral analyst therapy, and similar services that aren't close for those in Coos County. Getting the services they need, especially for sensory integration issues, could take at least two hours one way, but this will change with the new facility. One of the highlights is the sensory gym, which can help calm children or allow them to challenge their sensory inputs. You see, we see more and more stuff happening with sensory-related things, and it's, it's very interesting. Um, I mean, the fidget spinners was a huge deal, and anything fidget-related is like a big is like a big thing now, especially on with autism. And I think it's very, very kind of, I mean, it's, it's very interesting because it's like, wow, I mean, who would have thought like fidgeting stuff is, is so helpful to, I mean, not only people with autism and kids with autism, but just people in general. I mean, it, it eases us so much in terms of like nerves and just keeping our body moving in some capacity. I always thought it was interesting. When I think of a sensory gym, I'm thinking of it as, and maybe this is exactly what it is, instead of having machines that help you build strength physically, they're machines and things that help you build strength sensorily. Yeah, right. That's probably what it is. I wonder what's in it. I mean, that sounds very, that sounds like fun, honestly. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm like, to give it a quick Google search I would, here. And I would definitely go try one of those out. Just because, or, you know, maybe, maybe there is some, maybe that's something that's going to pop up eventually, not just from like a health related perspective, but, you know, maybe someone finds out that people, regular average, everyday people like kids, um, just like going to, going to these things and trying out a fidget gym. Yeah. I'm looking at pictures of other examples of, of sensory gyms. And a lot of it is just, uh, a really various group of, of toys and playthings that all have different feelings and textures and sounds and things like mm -hmm. that. I can I, see how that's looks, helpful. If I were a kid, this looks like a whole heck of a lot of that's fun. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> it looks like fun to me. <laughs> and I'm a 26, almost 27-year-old man. <laughs> Next up, emotional exhaustion increases health risks for men. Men experiencing a condition called vital exhaustion are more likely to have a heart attack According to a new study, vital exhaustion refers to excessive fatigue, feelings of demoralization and helplessness, and increased irritability. The study focused on men without a prior history of cardiovascular disease. 67% of the men had the condition, and 15% had a high level. Men with moderate to high levels had 2.7-fold increased risk of experiencing a heart attack within 5 years and 2.25 higher risk within 10 years. 
Despite the fact that frequency of negative effects is higher among women, the research found that the association of vital exhaustion with cardiovascular events is still more common in men. This is a term I had not heard before. Yeah, I can't, I can't, I can relate. I haven't heard of that either. <laughs> Interesting. I, it, it makes sense to me. Yeah. It does seem to wrap together both physical and emotional fatigue into kind of one. I, I want to call it a diagnosis, but I don't know if it's that formal yet or if it's just a term that we're using to describe this amalgamation of interesting conditions. But the the idea that 67% of men fall into this category, yeah, which includes a 2.7 times increase in the risk of heart attack within five years. I mean, that's insane. Yeah. And that's, obviously... That's not... That's definitely significant. <laughs> so the question becomes, how do you treat this? Because it is like I said, a combination of physical, emotional, all of that kind of rolled together. So, you know, it's not going to be the kind of thing where you can just attack it from one angle and eliminate it. Yeah, I'm not sure. Maybe, I mean, obviously there's going to be more studies that need to be done <laughs> in order to figure out the source of this. You know, what what is causes so much fatigue? Is it societal pressures? Is it these men are also overworking themselves. Are they coming from very stressful households? I mean, who knows? And with that, let's get into our next segment. B-R-E-A-C-H. Breach Patrol. It's a breach! All of the latest cybersecurity breaches. Welcome to Breach Patrol, where we talk about the latest breaches happening all across the world. First up, a bad case of a disgruntled caseworker. A former caseworker in Australia accessed sensitive data of children for a year after leaving their job at Victoria's Department of Health and Human Services. While working at DHHS, the caseworker had access to a government computer system of files related to disability, family, and youth support services. The access should have been revoked when the employee left the job in 2017, but the worker used the system without authorization 260 times for another year, performing 150 searches. The information included personal details of 27 people. Both DHHS and the contracted service provider were in violation of information privacy principles. What's more concerning is that after leaving DHHS, the employee was terminated from another job when police discovered child pornography on the person's laptop. Police were unable to prove that the caseworker was linked to the material since the laptop had multiple user profiles. Wow. Well, what I mean, a story. Yeah, it's, clearly this person was not a good individual in any capacity. Um, no. Yeah, I, it goes back to that, that discussion topic that we've had where, you know, you can have as many safeguards in place at your organization, but end up hiring a bad egg. In, in this case, certainly, that's what happened. Oh, absolutely. I think it's really interesting that they have all of these counts and information. They know how many times, how many searches, how many details of different people were, but they didn't catch it at the time. Right. So obviously, they have a system that is tracking these kind of things. And it took them over a year to realize that this was going on. 
that's the issue. Like it's it's one thing to track the information and have an uh, a handle on what's going on. It's another to actually look at it occasionally mm-hmm. and make sure that everything looks good. Right. Security is not a okay, if something happens, then we'll go back and find the evidence. It's something you actively monitor. Yeah, right. Exactly. Next up, ransomware attack waiting on a ransom demand. Buffalo Public Schools, serving around 34,000 students and operating almost 70 facilities, has suffered a ransomware attack. The district hired Gray Castle Security to assist with the investigation and recovery effort. All classes, both remote and on-site, were canceled on March 15th so that the district could test various recovery steps and associated applications. According to the Buffalo News, no demands had been made, but the FBI found that ransom might be between $100,000 and $300,000, but it could be negotiable. What, what is this, a used car lot? It's like, well, the sticker price is a hundred thousand, but yeah, you know, make okay. it off. Show me, you know, show me the data facts instead of the car facts. Right. Is this has this data been in an accident before? Has there been fender benders? When's the last time it went to a mechanic? You know, if this they just wait long enough, we need to know, Alex. These are <laughs> if important. They, they just wait long enough, their data will show up for sale, and they can just buy it back. Probably <laughs> cheaper than the ransom. <laughs> <laughs> How weird is it, though, to launch a ransomware attack and then not demand a ransom? What kind of information could you get from public schools? I'm sure they keep all kinds of things. I mean, they they have. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. Is there anything like some of the public schools that I went to? Their computer systems are very old and outdated. Yeah, exactly. Very vulnerable. I was just going to get to that point. I think so. I think it's more so that they're holding the system itself hostage. Right, ransomware attacks it cuts off access to the computers as well, so the school can't operate. Even if the data itself is not really valuable on the market, it still is valuable to be able to, I don't know, do your do your work at school. Right. So if there are anything like schools around here, old computer systems, easier target, and they have to do their job. Agreed. And finally, karma always comes back for illegal activity. A database of sensitive information of more than 24,000 WeLeak Info customers in a zip archive was discovered online. A forum user is selling details of former customers that made illicit purchases using Stripe. Before it was shut down by the FBI in January 2020, WeLeak Info sold access to stolen information for over 10,000 breaches. The forum user currently selling the archive claims that the FBI may have missed a spot when it seized the site's original domain. There was a separate domain associated with the service used to process payments for those who bought the stolen data. The information contained in the database could be used by law enforcement to arrest those who previously purchased stolen data, but it could also be used by other cybercriminals to launch extortion or blackmail attacks. So this is... Uh, interesting. At first, it sounded like it was a white hat hacker, but then it goes on and says that they've stolen and sold information from over ten thousand breaches. Because um, at first, it's like, okay, we leak info customers, right? This this form group selling details of former customers that made illicit illicit purchases using Stripe. So these people are making illegal purchases 
using this app called Stripe. Then it's also like we leak info sold access to stolen information from over 10,000 breaches. So clearly <laughs> it's like a little bit more of a gray-spaced hacker group, I guess. Right. They, they <laughs> seem like to be... They're calling people out for illegal stuff, but also doing illegal stuff. <laughs> right. So the FBI didn't manage to seize this information. And so, yep. like, hey, we could give it to the FBI or somebody could buy it. Yeah. Sounds How... like a sleazy businessman. Uh, yeah, but I mean, they kind of deserve it. <laughs> right? Because all of the people on that list are people who bought info that was stolen right so i mean it's it's karma <laughs> oh yeah as a, a member of society who is at risk of being breached at any time I, I don't know i feel like that might be a pretty reasonable form of justice is to have their own data leaked and potentially uh, held against them and that's it for this week's wrap-up of your weekly healthcare news. I'm Alex Ross. And I'm Matt Moneypenny. And we'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of The Bandage. This week's episode was written and produced by eTactics. eTactics is a leading revenue cycle solutions organization committed to providing innovative, web-based solutions that improve our clients' cash management and customer relationships. Thanks, and we'll see you next week.